This is Patty Scalzo, welcoming all our listeners to Shir Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Today, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing our series on Heavenly Authority. And now, let's go into the study. In our last few programs, we have been looking at the response of Moses to the call of God to send him to bring God's people out of Egypt. In Numbers 12:3, we read how Moses was, quote, very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And we see this humility demonstrated on Mount Horeb when Moses declares to God, Who am I that I should go? The Lord answers Moses that he will certainly be with him. So success would not be based on Moses' worth or ability, but based on God. He would be with Moses, and he would accomplish it. God even demonstrated miracles to Moses that he would be able to perform before the Israelites in answer to Moses' concern that the people may not believe him. But Moses persists in his objections, saying that he was not eloquent and that he was slow of speech and tongue. Patty, our study partners should understand that at this point in his life, Moses is a meek and unpretentious man. If any attitude of self-importance ever existed in Pharaoh's court, it is now long gone. He is ready to be used of God. And God responds to Moses' doubts and hesitations by reminding him that he, the Lord, made man's mouth. So he says, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. Up to this point, Moses' unassuming and self-effacing manner was commendable and a worthy example to all Christian leaders. But when God tells him, Now therefore go, and Moses replies, O oh Lord, please send someone else to do it, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, that the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And Moses persists in this attitude, even when he goes to Egypt. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 28 to 30, we read, And it came to pass, on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised or faltering lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? And again God has to remind Moses that Aaron his brother will be as his prophet and speak for him to Pharaoh all that God commands him. And Paddy, we see in this continued resistance of Moses to God's commission a very important teaching. There is a point that humility can start to become false humility and really a type of pride in that it is a hindrance to the will of God. And it may be difficult to fully understand this principle in our minds since it's spiritually discerned. But let me see if I can give a few examples to make it clearer. Let's leave Moses for a few minutes and look at Saul, Israel's first king. Patty, could you read from 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verses 15 to 17? Just to set the background for this passage, the elders of Israel had gathered together and approached Samuel, the Lord's prophet and judge, demanding that he appoint a king to be over them just like all the other nations had. And the Lord allows it to be done, though not without protest. Starting at verse 15, 
Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Now verse 1 of chapter 9 says that Saul was handsome. Quote, There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward he was taller than any of the people. When Samuel meets Saul, he says to him down at verse 20, And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite, of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? So we see here an initial sign of humility in Saul. The next day, as we read in chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, and kissed him, and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Patty, the Bible says that God gave Saul another heart that day. So when he meets a group of prophets coming down the hill with music and prophesying, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and Saul also prophesies among them. After this, Saul rejoins his uncle, who hears that Saul met Samuel and wants to know what Samuel had to say. But Saul did not mention what Samuel had said to him about the kingship. Someone else might have been overflowing with enthusiasm to boast about the happenings. But again we see a man of unassuming and reserved character. Then we read how Samuel called the people of the Lord together at Mizpah to choose the king before all the tribes of Israel as they inquired of the Lord. I'll read 1 Samuel chapter 10 verses 20 to 24. When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, Long live the king. Now remember, Samuel had prophesied and anointed Saul privately for the kingship. Saul had experienced God's Holy Spirit and prophesied himself. So he knew from supernatural intervention that he was God's choice. And again here at Mizpah, he is being chosen before all of Israel. But what is his response to the call? He hides himself among the baggage. This is going too far. It may seem like a type of humility. I am not worthy to be king. And certainly Saul's attitude is not one of, here I am. He doesn't strut up to the podium in arrogance and pride. But after what Samuel has told him, and the signs he has seen, even as the signs Moses has seen, it is too much. It is too much humility. It is too much self-abasement. It is too humble. And actually, 
its resistance to the will of God. And it's a poor picture of God's appointed kingship for Israel to have the king hiding among the baggage. You again see this attitude of, I don't want to do it, Lord. Let someone else do it. And as I said earlier, when you get to the point that humility begins to become false humility and an obstruction to God, you are very close to pride. Though it's not as obvious initially as the guy who would eagerly prance up to receive the crown. And look what happens ultimately to Saul. He goes from a man who hides among the baggage to a prideful, arrogant, and truly irritating king who is just the opposite of the image we have of true humility. Let's take a look at another example. Patty, could you read about the call to Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6? Verse 1 reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Then at verse 4, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Notice first that Isaiah truly recognizes his lack. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. He needs the Lord to take away his iniquity and purge his sin. But then, once the call goes out, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Isaiah accepts the call, saying, Here am I, send me. He doesn't hide. He doesn't say, O oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Okay, now let's look at John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Notice the statement of true humility. I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? And Jesus doesn't say he's wrong. Obviously he's not. But when Jesus tells him to permit it to be so now, he is obedient and promptly consents to be used by God to baptize Messiah. He did what he was supposed to do. And Patty, we think of the example we have of the Lord Jesus himself. He was the only truly humble man in human history. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8 says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Yet Jesus spoke the very difficult things he had to say, and he did it with authority. He affirmed his role as Messiah, and declared that no one would go to the Father except through him. It was true, and it had to be said, 
and it would have been false humility to turn from his mission or speak otherwise. And the same must be true of the Lord's people who are called to positions of authority. We must exhibit strength in accepting those positions, and we must boldly proclaim God's word. Greg, several programs back, you emphasized the brokenness and humility needed by leaders to be used by God. Someone listening might say that you are contradicting yourself. Patty, sometimes a proper spiritual understanding is like target practice. If you shoot the arrow and hit too high, the tendency is to overcompensate, and then you hit too low. But God's way is dead center. The principle here is this. The person God calls into a position of authority must recognize that the position is based on God and not on his or her own worth. This means, first, having true humility in acknowledging self-lack. Only God can work the work. And second, having true humility by accepting the call, because only God can work the work. If we are constantly saying, oh, I just can't, it is really a false humility and a flip side to pride. Praise the Lord for His excellent and most holy word. We rejoice that you could join us for the program today and hope that it was a blessing to you. We here at Sheer Jashub love to receive your notes of encouragement or if you feel led of the Lord to financially support the Bible study outreach of our church. Please send all correspondence and donations to Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Also, if you will be in the area, please join us for Sunday service. Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go down to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Sheer Jashub.